Is that a collection of human skulls you've got above your head as well? Finding a book, Steve. <laughs> she's hidden some of my books. <laughs> Every, every now and then I go and tidy them. Yeah. <laughs> hey everybody, and welcome back to Ask a Depth Psychologist, our monthly podcast series where I bring on, well, so far it's been Steve, who of course, as you guys know, has 40 years worth of clinical experience in depth psychology. But we're also going to be bringing on Steve's wife, which of course is not her uh, claim to fame necessarily. She has just as much experience as Steve does. She is called Pauline, and she's coming on for a bonus episode of this podcast today to answer your questions that you've submitted on Patreon at the $10 tier or higher. So first of all, Pauline, how are you doing? I'm okay, James. Good to see you again. Fantastic. And Steve, of course, I don't want to leave you out of this. You've, you've come into, <laughs> you. you've come into <laughs> chaperone and supervise because you come from the 1920s, wasn't it? I'm only here for a cup of tea, don't worry. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, so we're just going to jump straight into the questions. As always with this particular podcast, if you look in the pinned comment or the description, you'll be able to see the timestamps. So if you don't want to listen to us ramble on for an hour, however long this happens to be, then you can just take a look to see which specific questions that you would like to see answered. So the first question comes from Nick D, and he asks, When given criticism about oneself from a loved one that we disagree with, how do we know whether we are right to disagree with them or whether they are right and our ego is just trying to protect itself by blocking, ignoring or disagreeing with their criticism, which may actually be true? And is it possible that if our partner is a different personality type than both of us, that both of us can disagree with each other about the criticism, but are we both right from the perspective of how we see the world? Now, this sounds like, Nick, you've got quite a, a, a confusing wife or a confusing girlfriend. I don't know how to answer that question. Perhaps you can help, Pauline. I don't know. What do you think? Well, it's a, it's, um, it's a very good question uh, with lots of parts to it. Um, I guess I'd probably start with wondering who it is that's uh, doing the criticism. Maybe, you know, just how conscious or aware of themselves they are themselves. And um, it, it's, well, it's never nice to hear criticism for a start, is it? That's, that's a difficult thing in any relationship. I think it depends on what the intention is behind the comment and, and that's difficult to know yeah. in, in in such a general question really sure sure so so i guess to, to illustrate say steve came to you and actually no we're going to use this the other way around we're going to be nice yes if you went to steve with some criticism i don't know he's, he's been too much of an intp recently he's read read too many books yes. made too many movies or, or, or whatever else how would steve know then or what would be the process by which steve could actually check you you know to be like you're wrong yes or this is actually valid criticism and I should check in myself. So it's something I've wondered too in my relationship mm -hmm. because I could basically say, you don't understand me. If, if, if sort of yes. like, you know what I mean? You don't get me. I'm doing For my sure. thing. Go away. So what, yeah. are there any sort of rules or general yeah. checks or anything else to make sure that that's valid or not valid? Sure. Um, I think probably one of the best things to do, and sadly it's probably one of the hardest things to do, is to come at it from your own style. Mm. Um presuming that you know what your own style is of course um, mm -hmm. and everybody needs needs a place to stand um so probably the kind of language that you use uh maybe the timing of the comments as well would be important mm. um so i mean steve and i are a polar opposite so we're about as opposite as it's possible to be mm. just to add a bit of difficulty in there mm -hmm. um and it's taken a, probably a very long time for us both to work on ourselves and develop ourselves and to see where the other person might be coming from so it doesn't 
as Steve, I think I said in other videos, it doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. um, and I would probably do my best to use the kind of language that I think he would be receptive to. So I'd have to kind of pull away from talking about facts and uh, feelings or even using that kind of language. So if I was to say to him, well, how are you feeling about things? It might just ignite the situation anyway, yes. if, it, if it's already a bit vexed. Um, so I think the kind of language is, is that you use is probably a good starting point. And that takes time mm -hmm. and it takes experience and you have to check yourself. And, you know, most people have very busy lives and sometimes we don't always get it right. Um, but I think it's just a skill that you hone over time. Mm. And um, it's probably helpful to have some idea of, you know, what types you both are if it's a kind of a you know husband and wife or boyfriend girlfriend uh, type relationship um because at least then you have a place to stand yeah. without those tools it's very very difficult to know what's going on and even then you have to consider other factors mm. as I suggested before mm. such as complexes and so on mm. um yeah so um i think the kind of language that you use the way that you address someone um and just be patient with it because you know you may not get it right first time off it may take weeks months years even mm. to really see the best way of of um you know understanding someone and let's face it we all want to be understood i mean that, that's the beauty of typology really is that um it can facilitate that it allows you to have another perspective other than your own Yes, yes, it's, it's, it's funny because I can definitely detect like a contrast. You, you'd be like, yeah. I want to understand you. Maybe for me, I'd be like, I want to socially engineer you, which is kind of like the same oh thing in, in and of <laughs> itself, right? Um, so you, you mentioned that you'd have to change your uh, approach based on the type of the, of the person. So if they're, say, a feeling type, so F dominant or something, then you would go in with yes. how do you feel? Well, I think, yes, it would be useful to do that because obviously um, for feeling types particularly and probably in particular extroverted feeling types, um, you need to warm it up a little bit. If you go in there like a cyberman, you know, or, um, you know, you're very T.I. about it. Oh, this is my problem. This is my problem. You're seeing into my soul. <laughs> Ah, oh, I'm I mean, the exact type of person to be, to be like, you know, somebody's, you know, they just had a family death or something and I'd go straight yes. in full TI mode, crit criticizing. Right, them. right. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously it, it, it has its uses. It's incredibly useful. I mean, you know, I've come to ad admire, um, you know, INTPs immensely over the years because I think, I think they're much misunderstood as well to be honest with you <laughs> <laughs> um and, and you know the the fabulous intellectuals usually they have great ideas they're very very good at um analyzing things and taking things apart uh i, I find that steve's uh, incredibly good in very very difficult situations usually big situations that, that require um they have a lot of difficulty to them Mm. Um, and uh, I mean that's incredibly invaluable I mean it's the kind of thing you've just offered really I mean something like a, a funeral where you know there might be a lot of arranging to do a lot of difficult things to be dealt with he would be very good at just you know organizing all of that as, as well as being sensitive to um, maybe the deceased person, person's wishes and so on. Mm. So um, there's, there's, there's merit in all types, of course there is. Can, can mm. I, uh, yes, of course. Mind, I just, uh, 
It's a bit different because I have uh, worked on myself, so I'm not really a purely functioning INCP socially. Mm. Internally, mm. I, I keep the INCP flame going because that's my inner world. Mm. Um, in terms of relating with other people, though, I've tried to develop my hitherto for latent functions. Yes. Um, as much sensitivity and feeling as I can for an individual, that's very important to me. And, that was part mm -hmm. of my development as a therapist, mm -hmm. was doing that. But defaults, yeah, I'm INTP. And people who know me well see that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. They, well, they do. They, I mean, yeah. even if you're introverted, obviously, it's it's your extroverted function that people see because that's how you meet the world. So people who maybe don't know Steve as well will see his extroverted intuition yeah. first. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that can facsimile feeling as mm. well in so much as it appears to be warm and gregarious and outgoing and, and talkative and... Um, uh, what would be another way of describing it, uh, entertaining at times as well. Um, so, yeah, so, so that can be invaluable in social situations, but um, it can take its toll too, can't yeah, it? it can. Because you can obviously, if it's not your dominant function, it can start to, to run out and run down quite quickly too. Yeah. Uh, and when that happens, obviously you fall back to your dominant function, which for, for Steve and yourself will be your introverted thinking. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. On that, uh, any oh, so extroverted intuition, facsimiling as extroverted feeling. If I understand that properly in a social context, yeah. say Steve is hosting yeah. a party and he's very yeah. nice to you when you sort of come up, come up to the door, you'd perceive yeah. that as being him being a warm-hearted person when he's actually yeah. just sort of watching what you're doing as fast as humanly possible, reaching out That's to right. you as a, as an object and adapting based on what he thinks the best possible outcome should be. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's exactly okay. it. Because that does make yeah. you sound like the proper cyber controller, Steve. But to the un uninitiated, it might seem that that person is just very warm. And, and I guess they are. It's just a style difference, isn't it? Um, but there isn't necessarily the engagement with the object or the person in the way that there might be with, say, an extroverted feeling type who is concerned yes. for the well-being of that person and making them feel comfortable um, and... Uh, uh, concerned about how they might be feeling in such a situation and so on but like I say to the untrained eye it can appear to be doing the same kind of job yeah that's really really lovely that's uh, honestly <laughs> really, that's really really lovely I am reformed I know how to feel I know how to some people's feelings uh, and, and work through them but as a default type I, I would say that that's absolutely the case um, yeah. extroverted intuition can be very charming as well it can yes well, yeah. There you go. There you go. Well, that's why, of course, Steve. I uh, I brought you onto these podcasts. Of course. That, uh, <laughs> <stopped all> <laughs> He's banging his own drum now. <laughs> Absolutely adorable. Well, before you, your ego goes to your head, I think we should move on to the next question. Um, so this one comes from Aetherian. Have we answered that one fully? Have we, James? I think so. Think? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I believe so. Introverted sensing. I don't know. <laughs> Wanting to put the full stop. I, want, I just want to make sure that we, you know. We've covered all bases for that person. You can you can yeah. follow up with as many essays as, as you like. Don't worry. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be perfectly all right. This one comes from Aetherian, and uh, he asks, this, this is a deep question. How can you tell if somebody is compatible with you for a lifelong romantic relationship? Put another yes. way, what are the most important characteristics for lifelong romantic compatibility? Solve everybody's love life all at once, Pauline. Go for it. <laughs> 
Well, like I say, we're polar opposites. Um, I can't say that going back, how many years is it? 42. 42 years, um, that we would necessarily have known that at the beginning. No, Um, I did. I was already in the young. Clever Dickie, I'm TP here. 47 years (laughs) of young to me. Well, I wasn't as aware of it as he was, Mm -hmm. I have to say. but I think over the years I've come to the conclusion probably that what started off as being, because um, opposites attract and they get into trouble very often, um, that appear to be difficult uh, is actually probably now a virtue in so much as um, it's, it's more stimulating to be with someone who's different to you. Um, although obviously there are times where it's intensely irritating as well, of course it is. Uh, nonetheless, I think I would still prefer that than if we were both completely the same type or even if there were, and, and often this is suggested that it's better to be, have some similarity and some difference. Um, and obviously that does work for some people. Um, but I think it's, assisted the longevity of our relationship to be honest with you Mm. because there's more to develop providing that that's what you choose to do in your relationship it's not for everyone of course i thought you liked Um, me for who i was (laughs) (laughs) i do now (laughs) (laughs) no i do i i I just of course i do um no i have i've I've really come to admire intps in particular because like i said before i think they are much maligned um and they they have an enormous intellectual capacity usually usually are often academics uh are usually very deeply feeling and very sensitive but people don't always see that so they don't know Mm. um i think they can be taken advantage of because of that they're often very very loyal um and stay in relationships maybe long past you know sell by date Mm. uh and so in that sense they can be taken advantage of um but you know i think there's immense value in being different and i think that's the beauty really of of being different um, and having an individuation marriage or relationship is that the, the potential over time to grow is so much greater. Mm. I mean, we've worked with couples who have been very similar uh, or exactly the same type with respect to Myers-Briggs. Um, and how can I say, very often there's a, it's, there's not a lot there to develop. No. I mean, in, you know, they... That's not to say that people who are in that situation can't be happy. Mm. Um, but you can see the limitations, you can see the ceiling of the relationship in situations like that. So whilst it might be more difficult initially with someone who's dif- different to you, um, I think if you stick with it and you work through it, I think it pays dividends in the end. Mm. I like that. I like that. You get a confirmation bias with um, in relationships where the, the, the two people involved are the same that they will anticipate the other on the basis of their own confirmation bias. Mm. So there's a little dialogue, whereas the difference may seem to be irritating sometimes because it's completely different. Two people who are exactly the same Mm. will feel or think that they understand the other far more than they do when really they're just projecting themselves and their own uh, issues and their own personal complexes. uh, And they run out of adaptability very quickly, or they can do. So it's not um, a general statement as such. It's just an observation yes. that that can happen. Can't yes, it? it can. And, and I think where it does happen too, it, it's a bit like, um, 
if, if I think of sort of our family as a whole, I would say that my daughter, for example, um, who is nearly 29, she's actually learning disabled. But in terms of her personality type, she's probably similar to myself. Hmm. And my son, uh, who's 25, or our son, who's 25, is probably more similar to you in style. Yeah. Um, and I actually find personally that sometimes... Uh, things great more with my daughter, our daughter, Rhiannon, than yeah. they do with Gareth um, because we're so similar. Yeah. Um, whereas with Gareth, it's more, um, you know, complementarity, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so there's in some ways less room for friction yeah. in some areas where, where there is that difference. So I think it's important not to see that as being bad. Um, or as something which is going to undermine your relationship uh, and therefore is a bad thing and maybe you should think about looking for someone who's more similar to you in terms of their style. Um, It's just a more positive and productive way, I think, of looking at something which is, you know, essentially different to you yeah it's um talking to you about this type of thing Pauline is actually really it's mm. taking me back to I don't know how many years ago but a long time ago because obviously I've been, a, been like a science nerd for like forever so as soon mm. as I could I would break from everybody else in school and I'd sit with the science nerds and it's yes. interesting up to this day everyone in the discord except maybe one is uh, in, an, an intuitive type so, yes. so the way we will interact, so even the way our Furian's, a Furian's question was, was raised is yes. like, what are yes. the traits? It's like, dun, 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 dun. Yes. And you've come out with yes. more of a, well, it depends what makes people happy and there's like differences. Mm-hmm. It's, more, it's more of a flowy, dancey way of doing things. So almost the question's answered, of course you've answered it with your own words, but almost the way you answered it is how you answer the question in kind of like a strange way. But I do want to ask a very NT question, I guess. Uh, hmm. You've got, obviously you've got the whole... Um, you're the going to old... text me now, aren't you, James? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I, I do wonder this, actually, because... To see how developed my animus is, yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> well, you've got masculine men, you've got feminine women, which is the old adage, right? It goes back to mm-hmm. all, of, all of time. And, of course, yeah. you can also get, you know, feminine men and masculine women. Is this Myers-Briggs um, stuff, in relation to relationships, a way of explaining why masculine men and feminine women has been the, the central unit of the family, rather than everybody just being the same? If you see what I mean. I think I do. Um, uh, the thing about the Myers-Briggs is that you, you, you find statistically that most men are thinking types mm. uh, and most women are feeling types. So there tends to be a correlation between men and thinking and women and feeling, although it can be the other way around, of course. Of course, well. yeah. Um, a, probably a good example of it would be Joe and Jane Wheelwright, who are long since deceased now. Oh, sorry. No, no, carry on, no. yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> and um, they had difficulties. Excuse Thank me. you. <laughs> we'll see if that's picked up. What's that? Saint George and the Dandelion by Joseph right, B. Yeah. Wheelwright. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Cool. They were brilliant in typology. Oh, they Fantastic. were. Yeah. Yeah. But they, as you might imagine, they started off um, having difficulties in the relationship um, where basically, you know, they couldn't make sense of one another. Um, And I think had they not um, had the typology, had they not, to use their own words, had tools to work with, then their marriage would have been compromised and they probably would have, you know, separated and divorced and so on. 
now if we come on to sort of the um their particular types then um joe wheelwright uh was a feeling type um and his wife um jane was uh, jane strangely enough mm -hmm. uh, a sensing touch he did the sensing and the thinking in the relationship and he did the intuiting and the feeling in the relationship mm. so, he was and he, she was extroverted yes, as that, well that's right yes so sorry sort of no go on lovely um they were the opposite way around yes if you like that I mean, you might expect um, conventionally the uh yeah. tv stage young the wisdom of the dream which is on youtube mm -hmm. you can see them being interviewed and the way joe wheelwright puts it is that basically in effect he had a typically feminine Yes. Um, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Had a masculine one. Yes. But it was the other way around within the yeah. relationship, and uh, that would, that caused a problem. Uh, but Young sorted them out. Good, yeah. good, 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 good. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. the way the way my mum has always described these things to me, she's like, James, you're very male. You're very you're very male. You're just like your dad, and I'm very female. And then when Jane comes up, oh, she's very female too. So it must be my mum's an ESFJ. I'm pretty sure. I don't know what my dad is. He typed as an INTJ. I really, really don't think so. But there's definitely the feeling thinking divide between yes. them. So when she's described yes. exactly as you said, she's described my dad and me very male thinking, mm. and then my jane and her as feeling types so yeah i guess that i guess that does make sense it must be where that sort of comes from but of course so you would describe with um for example joe wheelwright there he would be the more feminine one in the relationship in that sense would he if if, if yeah. i heard, heard that correctly well psychologically speaking in terms of his typology yeah yeah um yeah when um when he got his uh his diploma off young uh, as, as he called this this is how he recounts it anyway First, the first thing Carl Jung said to him is, go and get a degree in medicine. It'll sort your thinking out mm. because all over the place. Yes. Basically, he was NF type. And he thought, no, you have to deal with something that will or find something that will force you to think properly. Go and study medicine before you study analysis. Mm. And then he went to the house in Kusnacht. Uh, Jung was in the garden uh, and he approached him to receive his diploma. And Jung was just sat there ignoring him. You know, and he he said he was there like a puppy dog waiting to be approved of because of his feeling and intuition. Yeah. And Young was just ignoring him completely. And then he handed him the diploma and said, uh, when you go back to America, if everybody loves you, it'll be a disaster. And then he said, goodbye, Wheelwright. And just lifted up the newspaper. And that was it. Off he, off he went and he slunk along, oh. looking back, hoping he would, be, he would be called back to the master. And he didn't call him back. Mm. He wanted to say to him, you can't function in such a one-sided way as yes. you have been functioning. Yes. Okay, you've put the work in, we'll qualify you, but you have to develop mm. that other side of mm. you. And he took it in such good faith. Yes, he did. He? He, he did. Really, Absolutely, really he did. It's worth watching. It is worth mm. watching. Uh, I believe uh, another issue that he had uh, whilst he was studying medicine, which uh, again probably shows something of the sort of the NS difference, uh, is that it at first he was re reluctant to touch people in order to make a diagnosis mm. um and again you see the the sort of the ns divide there whereas sensing types are probably more likely because they're interested in in data mm -hmm. uh and um sensory, sensory things yeah. as well uh that he was kind of reluctant to do it so it's like well how can you make a diagnosis if you're not prepared to touch someone um yeah. Which again is just just a style difference, isn't it? And, and maybe you know we went more on hunches and intuition and so on. But it was something that he had again he had to develop in himself, um, both in his medical practice, but obviously also in his relationship to Jane as well. Mm. 
So I guess the answer, Aetherian, if I can sum it up, is develop, balance out, and hopefully you can do the same thing with your uh, significant other at the same time, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So to move on to question number three, this comes from, what is your name, my friend? Be Bewilderone. Be no, no, sorry. Bewildered One. I am very silly. Oh. Uh, and uh, Bewildered One asks, I have consistently typed differently. INFP, INTP, and INFJ. How often do you see type changes and why? So he's his I and his N seem to be constant there. So why do you think? Right. Um, well, again, if I was to apply it to ourselves and, and it, it's taken, again, a lot of time and probably um, doing the test a number of times and so on. Um, but we found for ourselves that, that some things are consistent. So um, my S and F have been consistent over time and Steve's N and T have been consistent over time. Uh, I and E and P and J with respect to the Myers-Briggs, of course, uh, if we're talking about that, um, have changed. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, I think you do, I think you do typically get this. I don't think there's anything uh, strange about that. Uh, I think it's useful to look at other things as well, if that's happening, uh, such mm -hmm. as complex activity, for example. Um, so, or maybe, you know, even when and where you're doing it, you know, the context in which you're doing it. So it's probably useful to look at other factors as well that might actually be, you know, contributing to those changes. Um, mm. but it, it's probably always best to start with those things that, that have consistency uh, and to say, well, that's, you know, that seems to stay the same. That's not altering. Um, and uh, maybe look at other factors, it, you know, to understand more broadly what might be happening. Mm. Although having said that, you know, the more you do the test, the more savvy you get. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And if you're not careful, you can kind of trick yourself into yeah. things as well. I think yeah. you have to be careful of doing that. Yeah, um, yeah so... Um, yeah, well, yeah, sorry, well, stick well, it's a useful compass, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but you do have to set it aside, and this is one reason why I suggested yesterday that mm -hmm. the more complicated the approach to typology, the less likely it is to be of any functional use at all. Mm. And uh, in support of that, I would quote Jung himself, who said that he, well, he never did type testing. Mm -hmm. They're useful only for beginners, and that everything should be based on observation. Mm. And Pauline is particularly good at observation. Um, if, if she just talks to somebody or watches them or, or any combination of, of the two, she can predict what the answer will be very, very reliably on the Myers-Briggs, for example. Um, now, that might suggest that Myers-Briggs and the observation co-confirm one another, but she wouldn't need, this proves, the Myers-Briggs at all because she can just type someone simply by talking to them and observing them yeah so at that point you don't need the type tests yeah and you, you lose the errors that come uh yes. in the issues over test retest validity with myers-briggs there are good reasons why that happens by the way it doesn't invalidate the test um it's because of the way the construct validity of myers-briggs is put together that means the criticism of its retest uh, reliability is itself invalid, but we could perhaps discuss that another time. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean it does. It, I mean it, it's actually an indicator on the test as well. I yeah. think that's an important mm -hmm. thing to mention. Um, mm -hmm. 
so you know MBTI uh, the I meaning indicator so in it like Steve says it's really just to try and get a compass on things um, and you can't look at it in isolation I think I think to do that would be wrong um, and you start to get into sort of the realm of almost using it like a horoscope yeah. or something you know such similar thing um, uh, which would be a shame really mm. um, but I think ultimately you have to rely on what you experience empirically with people. Um, and I certainly, just to go back to sort of the, uh, the, the question, uh, I think it's a very valuable question because you do see this, you do see th some things persist over time and you do see some things alter. Um, and it's, it's where things are different that it becomes interesting. Mm. And then you have to employ other methods to maybe, you know, you might get into word association or free association or some other method in order to uncover what else might be going on. Yeah. Plus, it's also difficult doing something like this in this way, because uh, as Steve rightly says, you're with someone um, and you're in a protected space and all the, all the nuances of that relationship are there, uh, which you don't have when you're just trying to answer somebody's question or coldly really and in a kind of a general sort of way. Um, so um, I'd like to kind of be able to answer it more fully than that, but it's difficult mm. to without having more detail, I would mm. say. So I guess bewildered one or anyone else who's interested in having your type done, but maybe you're struggling, you're not quite sure if the test is right, or if indeed you just yes. want it done as quickly as possible and confirmed. Both Steve and Pauline are actually offering over on the Patreon at the Dyad consultation tier, an ability mm. for you to sit down, have a chat, maybe get a coffee, probably be a nice idea, have a chat and then one of them will actually be able to type you straight away. And for, from experience, I think Pauline, it was the first thing you ever said to me, I think, was oh, we, we, we were in a WhatsApp group and and you, you said you're an intp i'll bet money on it and i think that the, the thing was the very <laughs> oh, yes, first I thing you, you said i might have that somewhere on my phone yes yes yeah. yeah that was the very yeah. first thing and I, and I remember bringing jane to to see both of you two and that like, you spoke to jane for like two minutes and then she she left the room for something you were like isfj it's like if you can't turn it off or something it's good it's good though. it's very sad isn't it it's good very 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 useful either to relate to people as you do or socially engineering as i do uh, so we got uh, next question here comes again from nick d and nick d yes. asks as most of us are intuitives from where mm. does that trait come from in a jungian model is someone who is more dominant in one part of their psyche or prefers an archetype or something leads to the differences in personality types. So, uh, yeah, so basically what's what's the general basis for intuition, if you have any idea? I have no idea. Uh, it's, it's innate, that, that, isn't it? Yeah. Y your type yes. is innate, and um, that can get reinforced or su suppressed during life. And I think this is one of the things that Pauline was mentioning, that without knowing the background of someone, yes. you can't know whether their manifest type is their true type or intended yes. type. Yeah. Um, Within a family, for example, if you have, um, as happened in my family, mm. three sensing types, mother and father were both sensing oh, wow. types, yes. and, a, and a brother, yes. uh, and they're all severely introverted. Yes. Even though I was introverted, I appeared off the scale extroverted compared to them. Mm. Um, I could have maladapted myself and suppressed my intuition. Mm. I didn't, and thank goodness uh, I didn't, uh, because... <laughs> They, they, they had this capacity to instantly hibernate, didn't they? They oh, just they switch off and go to sleep, and it was like a whole house mm. with this energy <laughs> would just would go down because yeah. uh, there was so little extroversion yeah. and all the sensing was introverted. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, they knew how to recharge, though, James. Oh, that's they did the thing. Yes, they did. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just yeah. happily burn out. You know? <laughs> but I was overcompensating for them. Even the dog. Even, even the, the dog, dog was that way. We had this huge, long-haired yes. German shepherd, and it would just go yes. straight down. Yeah. yeah. Yes. When, when it comes to when, when Jane's tired, so she's uh, has she got introverted sensing? I know she's got sensing. Yes. Is it introverted? Yeah. Um, yes, but but if she's if she's fun, and then this is an important difference too because yeah. uh, she may be functioning as an ISFJ it doesn't mean she is one. Mm. She could be an ISFJ, but again, you know the context in which she finds herself right now may be you know more conducive to her being an ISFJ. Mm. So with ISFJ, you've still got extroverted feeling. But the introverted sensing is dominant. Yes, yes, yeah. Well, yeah. she um, when she gets tired, she'll just go to sleep. Basically, yes. when I, I, yes. I, if I get tired, it will either be absolute exhaustion and then I'll have to sleep <laughs> or otherwise it's like, let me have a dance party first or let me finish all of this other yes. stuff first. Why, why not? Why not exhaust yourself more? Yes. Yeah. And, and if I try and get, get Jane to, to join in, she's like, no, I'm going to bed. She's already br brushed her teeth or whatever. She's got her pajamas yeah. on. And she, she goes to bed. It's, like, it's all laid out. And yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all well, very, very, very strange to me. It's just very, very strange to me. It'll become familiar with time, though, James. It will. Yeah, yeah. And then you'll see the value of it in your own life. Yeah. And vice versa. So. Yeah, and vice versa. Oh, so in other words, I should calm down and Jane should also join in with the dance parties then, basically. Yes, yes. Good. Yeah. That's the deal, isn't it? That's the deal you make. Well, that's yeah, fantastic. To... I hope she's watching this right now. <laughs> <laughs> you, oh. you need to forgive someone for being different. Yes. That's really important. It's mm. part of my live and let live philosophy. Mm -hmm. If you forgive someone for being different, you can then learn from them yes. and allow them to compliment you. And of course, the, the secondary payoff of, of that is mm. that if you forgive an ESFJ as an INTP for being different, that means you let them run as an ESFJ and they leave you alone to be an INTP. Yeah. So live and let live means you don't necessarily <laughs> have to develop everything all at once. You can still be who you are. Oh, yes. And you know yeah. what you should be. Yeah, you don't it kind of uh, even out into this flat equilibrium mm. state amongst the various types. You just respect um, the ESFJ and let them do what they do really well. Yeah. Learn from them, but keep your integrity as an INTP. I like that. Yeah, it's the best. Hmm. For INTPs, that's definitely the best for both. Yeah, it's <laughs> all, all worked out, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, having, having met Jane, uh, I mean, she's gorgeous. She's got a... Um, a stillness, a stillness about her. Mm. Yeah, which she is, does. It's lovely. It has a calming effect instantly, um, and that's good to be around. It's good to be around, yeah. particularly if you're exhausted or you're ill, for example. Yes, I mean, I, you're I, right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have a. Uh, well, actually, it's. Um, I was going to say a friend, but she was previously a, a patient who is an ENFP. Um, uh, life and soul of the party gets exhausted very, very easily, and over the years has had a lot of, or has had a lot of difficulty relating to a mum, because a mum is probably, I would imagine, an ISFP or an ISFJ, mm -hmm. one of those two, um, and uh, there's been a lot of tension between them. But one thing she has said, um, and I've seen it over and over again, is that whenever she's ill. A mum's the person she goes to because her mum will care for her. She won't overstimulate her. Um, she'll kind of understand what her needs are without even having to say. Um, and there's, there's, there's huge value in that. Huge, yes. huge value in yeah. that. Yeah, it's, it is actually hugely. 
Yeah. It's, 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 it's useful to know, you know, like uh, joke, joking about whatever else or you silly sensing yeah. types, whatever else. It's so useful because I really don't want to date myself in a, in a way. It's like yeah. if, I, if I had to date, say, That's Steve, it would be like, why? Wouldn't it, James? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it would. My, my mother was an ISFP. She was, yes. And she was a very, uh, how do I describe her? She was uh, not Med medieval. Medieval, yeah. she, yes. she, she was not of yeah. the 20th and 21st centuries. She could have walked out the back door into the medieval period and just gone turn it. No picking, problem. Mm. Yeah. And she wouldn't have noticed. Mm. But that gave her a great deal of adaptability. Um, during the Second World War, she would be walking, walking through Liverpool at night um, <laughs> with bombs dropping all around her. Yes. Uh, and her best friend was uh, was hiding in a doorway, climbing the wall with, with, with utter terror. And to me, mum, it was just, oh, look at that flash. Oh, the bright light. You know, it was like that. And these were bombs. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She, she just didn't really care. You know, well, she probably uh, just didn't um, give too much energy to no, it. No, no, because she didn't. what I mean, there's a certain amount of what yeah. can you do about it? Yeah, yeah. It's a fact. It's happening. Yes. Life goes on. And that's the extroverted it, it sensing, is. which yeah. although she's yeah. she was introverted, feeling dominant. That's what you met was this um, steadiness. But you know, mm. the, I'll say the shadow side of that type in her mm. was uh, crippling. Mm -hmm. uh, because it was like a, a deep recessing, receding cave yes. with some unknown feeling quality that was at the back of this cave that you couldn't quite reach. I mean, yeah. if, if you crossed the line with her yes. and you didn't know you had, that's how you were punished, was the complete withdrawal yes. mm. uh, and some very, very deep inner judgment. And she seemed to me to be part of the landscape. Like she lived in trees, not like a, a simian wood, but, but like a spirit wood. Um, and somehow was part of the, the procession of the seasons. Yes. Because where I lived was, was just back over open countryside and there was a, a river at the bottom of the garden. And she just seemed to be part of all of that. Whereas my dad was a different kind mm. of sensing type. Mm. He was very much orientated towards the, the physicality of the world. And he had very little manifest imagination mm. at all. Mm. Uh, I did all the imagining for everyone. You did, for the whole family. For the whole family, yeah. but um, my mum seemed to be able to understand that, or at least give me the impression that she did. And it was really her who got me into what I've done all my life passively. Yeah. She only gave a bit of encouragement, but it was sufficient to, to give shape and direction to what I was doing. Mm. Um, and th this falls back on the anima thing again. Like, you know, the mother for a, for a young man is the prime imprinter mm. of your experience of the anima. So, sensing and feeling to me have always been synonymous with femininity. Mm. And the mystery of being feminine. Yeah, yeah. So you that, definitely appreciate that, that. In a psychological sense, that's that. That's how that impacted me. Mm. Yeah, I, I had a friend like your mother. I think think what you're saying it was your mother, the one who would just walk yeah. or something down the street when there were bombs going off or something, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I did have a friend. Who, he was a, he was a strange guy, but I was really attracted to him for some reason, not sexually, you know. But he was, we'd we'd walk into, you know, there, there was there was one time we went into town or something on a lunch break, and we were like rushing to try. Oh, I was trying to rush to get there. We had like an hour lunch break, and this place was forty five minutes away. And we had to come back again, and he was like, "No, let's just walk, man. Let's just, let's just chill." But he was also a scientist at, at the same time. But he was utterly relaxed, always in his in his environment. He before he'd sit down, he'd make sure that the seat was all comfy first. Almost, almost yeah. like, like like a cat with a pillow do that yeah. and he'd relax and he'd in eat his moment. food slowly yeah. yeah and he'd look yes. you in the eyes when he spoke like, i really yeah. like you you're really nice maybe because you're the complete <laughs> opposite to me i don't know yeah. 
I don't know. Well, so you're not your nice. shadow. You're not nice, <laughs> James. Complete opposite to you, but you're not oh. nice. <laughs> of course you are. Well, uh, we've, Nick's asked a couple more quick-fire questions, if that's all right. Yes. Uh, so, so maybe one, two, three, five sentences, however much. Is Myers-Briggs Jungian, or is it just a useful framework to understand something more complex? Well, it's not mainstream Jung. <clears throat> it's, it's a simple answer to that. Um, it was never endorsed by Carl Jung. No. No, nothing ever was in that sense. So it's not mainstream Jungian. Does it model Jung's um, typology as laid out in psychological types? Yes. Yes, cool. it does, without a doubt. Although it's kind of bifurcated, if you like, uh, in the sense that the Gray Wheelwright test, which is the Wheelwrights again, and another, another chap called Gray, they took one emphasis that Jung made in uh, psychological types and the Myers-Briggs took another, which seemed to contradict one another. So that, that's where there's, there's that slight yes. difference. But yeah, overall, you can say it is Jungian, but it's not part of the mainstream. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. And uh, do either of you have any thoughts on Socionics, which is the former Soviet version of Myers-Briggs, which has the irrational, mm. rational dimension? Mm. I, I mean, my, my view, which you, you know, you might say, well, she would say that being an ESFJ, is, is that sometimes in these things you can over elaborate yeah. mm. in terms of, you know, the kind of ideas and, you know, um, people producing very complex models uh, to do with typology. Um, personally, I prefer to just strip it back. Um, and sometimes even abandon the Myers-Briggs because yeah. Jung himself talked about pure types. Yes. Um, and uh, sometimes you do find that. Sometimes it's not possible to say more than, <laughs> for example, that you, you can see that somebody's extroverted mm -hmm. or you could see that they're, they're highly intuitive um or you know they have a reliance on facts and they're possibly a sensing type sometimes you can do no more than that sometimes you can't actually create a profile for mm. someone uh, in an mbti way um so i think that's important to bear in mind as well um it, it, it's nearly always what you experience em empirically that matters even more mm. than the, a test or an indicator Gotcha, gotcha. That makes perfect sense. Were you finding a book, hid. Steve? <laughs> she's hidden some of my books. <laughs> every I, every talking... now and then I go and tidy them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think um, some of them are actually hers, and I borrow them actually, and she just takes them back. The, the one I was looking for was the single Loomis. Oh, yes. Uh, inventory of Personality, SLIP, slip. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's another one here, which is Angelo Spoto's, which is another. Uh, development so of the wheel of psychology. Yeah, that's, it, yeah. that the one you that's that's so, my so in case that doesn't come up on the screen, this is Jung's Typology <laughs> in Perspective by Angelo Spoto. That's oh, it, nice. yeah. Um, I, yeah. Have, I have pinched the other one, by the way. Yes. Okay, okay. But you said that's you didn't right. like it particularly. Right, all right. <laughs> Calm down. Do you want me to guess it for you? Uh, no, we would we'll check the table. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, well, well that's, that's, the, uh, that's the single Loomis inventory mm. of personality, mm. and the book is called Dancing the Wheel of the Psychological Types. Yes. Mm. Okay. And yes. is it Mary Loomis? I think it is. Singer and Mary yeah. Loomis. Yeah. But there's lots of different variants. And some of these tests that they push are really, really complicated. Mm. Uh, and I agree with, with Pauline on this, that uh, sometimes there are pure types. Yeah. Um, but we, we tend to settle on the Myers-Briggs. Mm. Because for me, it's a null hypothesis. Mm. Yeah. 
I start with that and say, I have to be able to reject this to get beyond it. And can I actually reject this in a clinical setting working with someone or is it sufficient? And if it's sufficient, I don't bother to go to any of the other variants on the type test. I'll mm -hmm. stick with it and then move off from it. Mm -hmm. That's an INCP way of doing things, isn't it? Very much so. Yeah. I mean, we, we've sometimes um, used the Myers-Briggs um, or, you know, deliberately ask someone to imagine that maybe a significant person in their life uh, or another part yeah. of them is answering the test. So we've, we've, we've tried to be flexible about its use as well, yeah. um, rather than just, and, and I think particularly where you've got somebody who isn't naive to the test, and when you, you do it for the first time, you know, you're pretty much sort of dealing with raw yeah. data. But the, the more into it they guess, uh, and given that complexes are crafty things, yeah. um, you have to be as crafty back. And sometimes, you know, we'll utilise it well, in that, that way. That too. was um, Pauline's uh, innovation that she would guess um, where, where we were working with couples. Mm. She would get the husband to type the wife and answer as the wife and then compare it with ah. the wife. Interesting. Um, or say, well, what do you think your husband or wife's shadow is? How would you type that and do it? And we'll get another angle yes. in a structured way because mm. people do appreciate structure sometimes, they don't do. they, rather yes. than a, a more loose approach. Yeah. Well, Pauline pioneered that, didn't you, when we were working at Clawton Medical Centre? Well, it just, yes, I think it just gives flexibility to something, mm. doesn't it, really, that would otherwise be quite restricting and certainly wouldn't answer some of the questions that you've presented today about, well, you know, why does my type, you know, continually change or mm. something stay the same, something's change. Um, so you've just, you've got to kind of be forensic about it, mm, mm. I well, guess. Well, well uh, done on pioneering that thing. <laughs> Jane accidentally did that for me when I, when I first met her when I was 18. Well, yes. the first, because she, she loves Harry Potter or whatever, and there's a line in Harry Potter, yes. I probably told you to before, it says you have yeah. the emotional range of a teaspoon, is something someone says in one of the yeah. films. One of the first oh. things she said to me was like, you have the emotional <laughs> range of a teaspoon. In other words, yeah, oh. that, that's your shadow behind you. And I, I can return some shadow things back to her again, and then with her feelings, she goes, that's oh, not very I nice. Have... That's so mean to me. Stop it. <laughs> so, well, yeah. I've actually found, uh, probably particularly with Steve, is that he, he's, you know, when... He does sort of engage his, his anima, his ESFJ anima, that he's intensely feeling, sometimes too much. You know, I, I kind of see an exaggerated version of myself and I'm, I'm sort of, you know, you can be a bit appalled by it. It's like, oh my, for God's sake, rein it in. You're just being too nice. Yes. Uh, it's going to get you into trouble. Um, oh, so yes, we, yes, <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? I do, yes. yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll go and be, you know, particularly nice to, to the guy who delivers the tea, whereas normally the anti approach would be, you know, a bit like how you are with, dare I say it? Maybe not. No, no. <laughs> Some other people who come knocking, oh, or, yeah, or they would get, or they would get, they would get short shrift, yeah. basically. <laughs> Uh, and then on other occasions, it, he'll be effusive and I say, oh my God, what is, what's, what's going on? You, mm. You've lost the plot completely. So sometimes you see a kind of exaggerated version of yourself in the other person yeah. when you see those functions being used. Um, yes, yes, yes. Third function, shall we say. Yes, if I get into a, a particularly heated debate with Jane, she comes out as me and I come out as her, actually, yes. which is really interesting. I'll, I'll start, yeah. you know, I'll have like my tears in, in the eyes and I'll stare at her from across across the room and I'll be like, you know, I'll go doom and gloom or whatever. And then she'll be like, I don't, I don't think you're thinking about it properly. You're being, you're normally a very rational person. You're not being very yeah. rational today. We actually swap 
it happened happened oh, fairly yeah. recently. I was like, wait a minute, are yeah. you an INTP now? She's like, at least I, I know what that means now. Yes, yeah. this is terrifying. Absolutely, because obviously, you know, your opposite functions are attached to your anima or your animus. So yeah. wherever you get anima animus conflict going on, um, you know, you'll get the, the, the opposite types employed, shall we say. Yeah, um, yeah it, can, it can be entertaining to say the least, can't it? Yeah, it's, it's good fun. for movies, that, James, isn't it? It's like the way you described Sorry it then, that. it was like a, was a look, scene from a the, movie. Looking at all the books, she's pinching off me. Terrible, terrible. They've migrated to Ooh. the corner of the room. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely See, I, I, I know everything I have in those piles. That's the thing, James. Well, I know absolutely I everything. <laughs> or, or you did. And uh, is that a collection of human skulls you've got above your head as well? Um, yeah, paleo... Um, paleo anthropological. <laughs> um, that one was in the Andersal. Gareth did that. Um, yes. So Some of our home education. Yeah, was, home education. With yeah. Gareth, yeah. That was a... a that was uh, because of a okay. what was her name? Laura Bishop, Professor yes. Laura Br Bishop from Yale, mm. a paleoanthropologist who was giving our son some private lessons at Liverpool Museum and in John Moores University when he was how old? Nine? Ten? Yes, he was only um, very young. Because he, he made all these anatomically perfect paleoanthropological skulls as demonstrators for He's the a museum. good artist. He's a very good He's artist. He's a good artist, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's very he just got bored of it. <laughs> In typical anti-P fashion, yes. Moved on yeah. to some other things. And, yeah. I, enjoy, I enjoyed helping him, but I don't think he enjoyed it very much. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can definitely yeah. appreciate things growing boring after a while. I, I absolutely can, unless it completely and utterly sucks me in, I guess. But I have, I have, we have another question here from Nick D. Yeah. And this is a different type of question, so maybe it's more geared towards Steve. But okay. it's a chicken and the egg question, old Nick. Oh and Nick asks, <laughs> if the symbols in the Bible are just a documentation in narrative form of the symbols that humans had slowly discovered over the aeons, so is that the case? Or are the symbols used in the Bible becoming part of the collective psyche over thousands of years, and that's why they, they show up? And Nick says, I suspected the first, but it doesn't explain why different cultures have different symbols. So maybe we, we could rephrase this and literally say, why do different cultures arrive at different symbols? Has this got anything to do with typology? No, no, it, it, it does not. But Nick, Nick is a nice young man and he's asked a nice question. Yeah, sure. It, it, it's a great question. I, um, well, actually, I think it's probably both, unless you want to take a religious perspective, in which case you narrow down your, your options for an answer there. You, you'd have to answer from within a Christian yeah. biblical tradition. Oh, yeah, let, let's just tackle it psychologically. Forget that okay, religion is considered a real thing. I would say that the, the symbol came first. And then over time, it became embedded within that particular culture as represented by that particular faith. And then as that spread out, particularly through the West, then it's become part of the collective unconscious. Mm. So one to reinforce the other. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay. If, if that answers that. It does, um, yeah. With, with respect to why there are different symbols in different cultures. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. yeah. Mm, I think it's well, I'll give, I'll give an answer which, uh, which is based on what Jung himself said. Um, the East, and for him, China was the most far Eastern of all Eastern cultures. Uh, in his day, he thought that symbols that arose from the Orient, the Chinese Orient, in a Westerner, meant that you were pretty close to being at the bottom of the collective psyche for a Westerner, mm -hmm. because it was so different. Um, 
our, our young wrote um, a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of forwards, the I Ching, for example, on the Bhagavad Gita, uh, some mm -hmm. of the first essays on Zen Buddhism introduced to the West. He, uh, he wrote forwards for those and interpretations for. Mm -hmm. So he was at the cutting edge, if you like, of this crossover psychologically between East and West. But now, since the 60s, with this massive explosion um, through the hippies and through interest in Buddhism and Tantra, uh, Oriental martial arts and, and, and so forth, we know a lot more than we did. And I think now that Eastern symbolism that turns up in a Westerner is just as likely to be superficial as it is to be deep. And my personal solution to that was to look at history. Mm -hmm. I, I, I was involved very heavily, still am, mm. uh, with, with Chinese culture since the age of 16. And I'm 63 now, so that's, that's been a long time. And I found it difficult to bridge unless I literally became absorbed by them. And I was, I was considered an indoor disciple mm. of various Chinese families, which was a great honour. Mm. Um, but in order to really reach there, I look back to history and I, and I said, well, when in the past has a Western culture interacted with an Oriental culture? And that's the Hellenistic era. Yep. That's uh, Alexander uh, and India. And I found that that was the easiest bridge because the crossover between Greek uh, culture and Indian culture was so mutually uh, cross-versalizing. Uh, in fact, Buddhas, statues of Buddha in Afghanistan were Greek togas. Mm -hmm. uh, Heracles or Hercules turns up as a Buddhist guardian. Um, the god Indra turns up as Zeus for the Greeks. Um, and so for me, that was the bridge. I had to then understand or try to understand India before I went back and looked at China. And mm -hmm. then I had a completely different perspective on it because I, I found that place to, sta to stand between the West and, and <clears> between the East. Uh, and then I found that Jung did a lot of that as well uh, in great depth. Um, and I found plenty of contemporary Jungian authors who were Indians and into Hinduism uh, who'd also done the same thing. Mm. So I guess really look at history and then you'll see a kind of mirror for the history of our own psyche and how we've used the symbols. So, so look back to the Hellenistic era, look back at the 1960s, which is now history culturally, look at what the hippies were doing, look at the syncretism between East and West, uh, and then you'll get a perspective on where we stand now to how these symbols are being used. Nice, nice. Well, I hope that answers your question. Uh, okay, sorry, Nick. that was a bit... Yeah. No, 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 really, really good. Good job, good job. We've got uh, a few more questions. These come from Baldebrock this time. Thank you, my friend. And Baldebrock asks, this is on typology again, of course. He says, yeah. uh, if, if one is chronically stuck in one of the introverted function loops, N-I-F-I in my case, how would one go about getting out? And he's given sort of his own running commentary. He says, therapeutically talk with someone about the ideas ruminating in your mind. Seems like a silly answer. But in doing so, you would directly engage with T-E or F-E assuming that is your auxiliary function. So maybe there is something to the cliche after all. What do you think? Well, where's, where's he coming from? Yeah. And what, what's the, the model of typology that's influenced him? So I would guess, uh, yeah. knowing, knowing Balderbrock and knowing the general audience, this is probably mm. C.S. Joseph style Myers-Briggs. Oh okay. gosh, right. Um, well, with all due respect to C.S. Joseph, um, I wouldn't go there because I do believe it to be an overcomplication. Mm -hmm. And it, it would be better to stick with the Myers-Briggs itself because it will simplify what you see. Yes. 
and then from that simplify even more again mm. based on the likes of the grey wheelwright and then young's pure types Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, so you've never come across an introverted function loop before, basically, in your line of work. I, I would disregard the concept of it completely. I yeah. don't think it's got any mileage in in the real world outside of the very narrow focus. Mm, okay. That CF Joseph gives it, uh, and it fine. It works for him. Um, I would not find it any use at all, and mm. I wouldn't go there. Mm. I, I spent. A, it th- sounds like he's harming himself with it, actually. Which a is... Balderbrook. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, we, we, spent around 35 years using type tests of various kinds and b- before we had access to them we just had to go on, on Jung's pure um, you know uh, typology mm. so I, w- I would argue that's an awful lot of experience within which you can you have to trim away a lot of the waste and when I see somebody building a model which elaborates yes. on stuff that should be trimmed away yeah I'm thinking that's perhaps an overcompensation for a lack of experience with mm-hmm. people broad enough setting and a broad enough setting for us is clinical because you get a complete bandwidth of everything thrown at you and you have no choice mm. what walks in through the door mm. um and an overcomplicated model then it's just too much to, uh, and for me i would just say get get shot so, well it's, it's going okay. to make some it's, it's going to encourage rumination yes for example if somebody has a tendency towards that anyway and, and they're doing their damnedest to work out who they are and where they stand and so on uh, it's just going to feed it that, that would be my concern that it, mm. it's actually it could be harmful to do it in that way so some clarification really on the question would be would be helpful sure yeah well uh, perhaps we can actually reverse engineer this maybe we can yes. we can have a little window into into, into baldebrock here because okay. um obviously the problem baldebrock you're dealing with is uh, obviously you're ruminating about ideas and yes. you seem to have hinted that you have ni and fi is there a type that has he, he i know baldebrock you'll be intuitive and you will be um yes. uh in in, in yeah, introverted and you will be intuitive is there a type which has ni in their ego and fi in their anima that's a good question. Because <laughs> I, I can't remember off, off the top of my head. Well, well, to, to me, that just sounds like a, a confusion. It does. Um, yeah. I, I think he should do the ordinary Myers-Briggs. Yes, I'd agree with that. And then yeah. talk to someone who knows what they're talking about. And then on the basis of that, we'll get some indication yes. of what he needs to do. But yeah. the worst thing you could do is overcomplicate oh, things gosh, because yeah. you just get stuck in paradoxes. <clears throat> this is an apparent paradox. Mm. And whereas intelligence is it's supposed to be able to deal with paradoxes and hold opposite views simultaneously, that's one of the hallmarks of intelligence. Mm. It's also the hallmark of a trap, a cognitive mm. trap as well. Mm. Particularly if someone's suffering in whatever way, you don't want to get them locked in a logic loop, which is just reinforcing itself because mm. they are bright, they are intelligent. Oh, absolutely. But they're stuck with yeah. a paradox that can't be yeah. solved because yeah. there is no theoretical base to support it. Yeah. So clear the decks, be very simple about it, and then build complexity in afterwards, if sure. it's needed. Yes. I would yes. suggest. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I could almost feel myself, to be honest with you, shutting down at the prospect of having to understand, you know, what this poor guy is asking, really. Mm-hmm. Um, which suggests, I mean, it's almost like a psychological infection. It is possibly because of my extroverted feeling. I'm concerned about connections to people and um how they might be troubled um it's like oh you know 
It's that is, that's that's interesting. That's that's, that's a good way to answer it as well. It's it's like um, you've you've given the game away in the form you've asked the question yes, in yes, terms absolutely. of that it's it's the wrong question to ask and there's something yes. underneath it which is causing yes, you to want yes. to ask this. That's yes, clever. Absolutely. That's clever. Yeah. Okay. And 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 if I was to um allow myself to pursue it, I'd end up as confused as as him probably. Mm. Whereas if I was actually face to face with somebody, then I would I would put that aside and I think like Steve yeah. said we 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 get back to square one and uh, you know get him properly typed and so on and yeah. and just just strip everything away pair everything back and just simplify things yeah otherwise you just feed the rumination yeah complexity arises from simplicity that that's the way the universe works mm. so if you go immediately to complexity you you, you tend to get to a point when suddenly everything breaks down and you, you're now on the entropic downslope yeah. of understanding rather than building things up yeah so Go towards simplicity first. Clarify yes. what it is you're dealing with. What you're asking. What you're asking. Yeah. Then see if it goes in the direction of mm. the complexity mm. or it just simplifies out and then you mm. find out what's really going on. Mm. Gotcha. I like that. I like that. Well, Valderbrock has a PS question and this is, uh, he asks, is there any utility in a typological approach versus just diving straight into individual complexes? Perhaps I can I can answer this question immediately. Typology is incredibly useful to identifying uh, perhaps which potential complexes you might have in in the first place, considering you're going mm -hmm. around depending mm -hmm. on your ego attitude essentially. But what what do you two think? Do you want to answer that, or shall I? Or well, I'll kick mm -hmm. off with one thing. A Myers Briggs profile, if it's accurate, and this is relating it back to complexes. Uh, will give you an indication of how a person is likely to fracture mm. under pressure. Mm. Mm. In that sense, it's complementary to a, uh, an understanding of their complexes. Yes. Uh, if the Myers-Briggs uh, uh, result is not accurate, then no, it's not very helpful. But except in the sense that it not being accurate will be apparent and you can then work out what the true type is. And that yes. will help you to solve the complexes that way. So it's a simple but nuanced and very serious way of looking at things, with, which takes quite a bit of experience and, and dare I say it, skill. It, it has yeah, to be said. Yeah, um, whereas if you just use typology superficially or you just go off into this complex mm. series of ramifications, you're not going to make anything clear. Mm. So basically the, the idea would be, Baldebrock, if you're trying to fix out, fix one of your complexes or uncover a complex... Doing a typological test like Myers-Briggs will be very useful to you if you do it properly and you're ensuring yes. that you are doing it properly. Okay. Absolutely. Yes. Can, can I give you an example? Extroverted okay. intuition lends itself to hysteria. Uh, I, I, I mentioned what hysteria was yesterday. Mm. Yep. Uh, they'll, they'll be in the shadow podcast in case these go up in different shadow orders. Podcast, but, yeah. podcast, yeah. but, but basically it's, it's a, it can lend itself to an over-identification with an object by an object it's anything or any person outside of your own field your psychological field and if you over adapt to them that means they're also reciprocally over adapting to you albeit passively it's like a gravitational field if you get in relationship as a, as a mass say a planet to another planet it's a reciprocal interaction so as you go towards them then that gravitational field will, will reciprocally interact so they're affecting you on the inside as well as the outside. And that's a, that's a problem uh, for extroverted intuition. If there's not sufficient consciousness around to, to see what's going on, and then you get a typical fracture pattern in someone based on being 
that way. Uh, and certain characteristic complexes are much more likely to appear and become a problem because of that over-adaptation. That's just an example based on extroverted intuition. Uh, gotcha. That's how you could map that onto complexes and onto psychodynamics in general. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, that makes perfect sense. And that's the end of the questions. So I want to say, uh, first of all, thank you to you two for joining me today. Appreciate thank it. You, of course. Thank you. Good to see you again. Thank you. And, and, uh, and to the audience, this was a bonus episode of Ask a Depth Psychologist. Basically, we wanted you all to meet Pauline, basically. And you've done a fantastic job. So thank, thank you, Pauline. You'll be back on in the future, I'm sure. And I'm sure people will be nice to you in the comments down <laughs> below. You. If you would like a chance to ask either Steve, Pauline, or myself for what it's worth a question, you can sign up at Patreon at the $10 tier or higher, or indeed, if you want to chat with either Steve and Pauline, either for typology or just to hang out, or for any other kind of consultation, maybe something's on your mind, that option's also up there on Patreon under the Dyad Consultation tier. So with that out of the way, thank you everybody, thank you Steve and Pauline. Thank you James. Thanks, James. Thanks everyone.